Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Oh, yes, it is. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, the one, the only, the legend. Nick Saban joins me live on the Goodyear Hotline in 15 minutes. Seven national championships. Hambo just sent me the note, by the way, about reminding me, coaches in all the sports who have won six championships in the span of 12 seasons or fewer, Nick Saban, John Wooden, Gina Wariema, Pat Summit, Casey Stengel, Joe McCarthy, Phil Jackson, Red Auerbach, Toe Blake. No one's ever done it in football or in the NFL. So that's the list he's on. One of the great coaches of all time. He'll be with me in 15 minutes. Check out Marvel Studios' WandaVision, the original series, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. So we've talked a lot about Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not going to stop talking about it because I think it is an extraordinarily important story. And I think to act as though that's all fine now and it's just going to fade away, I think, is to make a huge mistake. Rob Domofsky told us on TV this morning that Rodgers who normally will leave town right after his exit interview, like he met with the coach, with Matt LaFleur, um, in, his, in his exit interview, that he's sticking around for the week because he wants to meet with the GM and the team president. And I would imagine they have a lot of things to talk over. And I think that after those meetings take place this week and he goes back to his home in Los Angeles, which, oh, by the way, is a short drive from where the Rams practice, um, we might know a little bit more. Maybe he'll send up smoke signals one way or another. We'll find out from McAfee's show next week. So that is a story that isn't going away. We'll continue to talk about it. But the most important story, I guess, in the big picture, if you were a sports fan yesterday, is that the Baseball Hall of Fame voting took place and nobody got in. That isn't a surprise. It is what was expected. The three names that will be spoken of the most coming out of it are Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens. I say them in that order because that is the order in which they received votes. Schilling actually got by far the closest. He was over 70%. You need to get 75% of the vote to get in. Schilling, I'm doing this from memory now. I had the notes in front of me and I I moved them away. My apologies. But he was like 16 votes short or something like that. He was very close. Bonds and Clemens further down the line. All three of them are in there. This was their ninth year of eligibility. You only get 10 years on the writer's ballots, and then eventually, if you're going to get in, you would have to be voted in by the Veterans Committee. So they have one more year each on the ballot. And one thing that I think is worth noting about next year, the symmetry of this, is that next year will be the last year on the ballot for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and it will be the first year on the ballot for Alex Rodriguez. And I mention those because those are the three players of this era who have been most directly connected to performance-enhancing drugs, who are no doubt about it Hall of Famers. I mean, like, there's not there's nothing to talk about. Not that they're the only ones, because there are others. I mean, if Sammy Sosa had put up his numbers without any um, questions about them, he, he would also obviously have been a first-ballot Hall of Famer. <clears throat> but A-Rod, I mean, A-Rod is one of, on the very, very short list of the greatest players that ever lived. Ever lived. They're not even close. This is a guy who's a shortstop who had 600 and something. What, what did he wind up with? How many home runs did he wind up hitting? I mean, he was a, a brilliant shortstop, a great shortstop who voluntarily moved to third base to try and win games in New York, even though, candidly, he was a better shortstop than Jeter was, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, and he wound up, how many home runs did he wind up hitting? He had almost 700 home runs. So someone yell it out to me. It's worth saying that 696, he hit almost 700 home runs and he was an infielder. So, I mean, what are we talking about here? 
If he's not going to get in, then nobody is. And the same is true of Clemens, who won seven Cy Youngs. No one has ever won more than five. And of Bonds, who won seven MVPs. No one else ever won more than three. So the question is, are those guys ever going to get in? Do the writers have, are there any writers who are in their minds are thinking, my punishment, which is a terrible way to approach this, but maybe it's the way they're viewing it. My punishment of them will be, I'll wait till their final year of eligibility and then I'll vote them in. Or will they just not get in? Hembo, who works has worked with me forever and is my number one confidant when it comes to all matters baseball, tells me they're not getting in. And so A-Rod and his first year next year, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. So those were the, the great names from the steroid piece of this. And I talked at great length about that yesterday. I've t- put my cards on the table. My belief is those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. That is a change of my original perspective. The original perspective I had on this, and I wrote it in my first book, which I wrote, I think I probably wrote that part of it in about 2001 or two. Um, I wrote that those guys don't belong in the Hall of Fame and that if you would cheat at the game, you can't say that you love it. And that was my perspective then. And as I told you yesterday, my mind changed. And the reason it changed is because my understanding of the circumstances changed. I thought that something like 5% of Major League Baseball players are using performance-enhancing drugs, and thus they should absolutely be separated from everybody else. But what I came to realize over the course of those years and investigations and Jose Canseco's book and congressional hearings and everything else that happened was that it was so prominent in the sport, it was so prevalent in the sport, that you just no reasonable way to determine who was and who wasn't. And you can't ignore an entire era of baseball when it comes to the Hall of Fame. So put the best players in and let history tell the story. So I would absolutely put in Clemens. I would absolutely put in Bonds. I would absolutely put in A-Rod. And there'd be nothing to talk about. Or you could talk about it however you want. But there'd be no discussion in my mind of whether or not to vote for them. I don't have a vote, so it doesn't really matter what I think. The other one was Schilling. And what I would say is I'm sure you've seen that what Kurt Schilling did was after he didn't get in yesterday, he wrote... Um, a lengthy post on Facebook asking not to be on next year's ballot. He is he is not in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the great postseason pitchers of all time. You don't need me to tell you what Schilling was. Schilling was as good a big game pitcher as I've ever seen. He wasn't anywhere near the best pitcher I've ever seen. But in my lifetime of watching the sport, in a big game, if my life depended on the outcome, I would hand him the ball about as quickly as I would anyone I've ever watched. And that alone, I think, gets you in. Um, And then you add in his strikeout numbers and everything else. To me, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. But all of the controversial stuff with his political beliefs and his social media commentary in the wake of what happened at at um, at the Capitol a couple of weeks ago, you know the story. You don't need me to tell you what happened here. All I'll say is, with regard to that, I remember vividly, very early in the tenure of Mike and Mike, Harry Carson did not get into the Hall of Fame, the great giant linebacker. There was a year in which the voting came out, he didn't get in. And he came on Mike and Mike the next day and he said, I can't put my family through this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. We get so worked up and the disappointment is so great. I don't even want to be considered. If they put me in from now on, I refuse. I'm not going. I don't want any part of it anymore. He said that on our show. And the next year he got voted in. And he described it as the greatest moment of his life. And he and his family enjoyed it like crazy and all of that. 
And Schilling has a different situation. He wrote that his wife is suffering from is battling cancer and whatever it is, and that the, that the shock and the stress and all of that is impacting her. I don't know the details of the circumstance, and I don't know. I, 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 I don't have any relationship with Kurt Schilling. But what I would say is that if they do put him in next year, which I don't think they're going to take him off the ballot, if they do put him in next year, I would expect he would change his mind. It is a very complicated issue of talking about him and his worthiness based upon the completely different discussion that we have when it comes to the reasons he's not in relative to the reasons the other guys are not in. Uh, And that's something we can talk about at another time. I have Nick Saban coming up, so I don't want to take the time here. But what I will say is my prediction is if he gets in next year, he'll be thrilled. That's based on my, my, my one experience with this. When Harry Carson, for different reasons, said almost exactly the same thing. Uh, All right. I will break on that thought because I want to save plenty of time. The great Nick Saban joins me live next. Don't miss it on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny back with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. And it is my pleasure, as always, to welcome back on the Goodyear Hotline for the first time in the few weeks it has been since he won his seventh national championship, his sixth as the coach of Alabama. Nick Saban is back with me on ESPN Radio. Congratulations, Coach. Thanks, Greeny. How you doing, man? You're doing good. I am doing fine. Not as well as you, as as you got, you know, as as, as everything that came together. And you know, we talked a little bit along the way. And you know, I, I guess I'd like to start with this. It's your seventh national championship, culminating a season that was unlike anything that any of us have ever witnessed, and certainly anything you've ever been through. So, how do you think you'll remember this one differently than all the rest? Well, I think this was a great team, and I think all the challenges of this season, all the disruptions that we had, you know, was a challenge for every player to, you know, be able to stay focused, buy in, do the things that they needed to do, uh, not be affected by any circumstances and situations that changed, whether a game got changed, uh, uh, postponed, whether we couldn't have spring practice, whether we couldn't do summer conditioning like we normally do, whether we had players missing for certain games. I mean, this was a season where, you know, I told the players in the beginning, whoever handles the disruptions of this season the best will end up the best in the end. And they certainly did that. They took it to heart. It was a challenge. And actually, I think a lot of the disruptions actually made our team closer. And so the reputation that you have is as one who never stops and smells the roses. You never take a moment to celebrate. How did you celebrate this championship? Well, you know, it's always a great feeling 
for the players. Um, and I really wanted it for this team probably as much as any team I've ever coached because of their resiliency that they showed as a group throughout the season, the leadership that we had, the togetherness we had. This was truly a team. Uh, and for that reason, I, I was really, really happy and excited for them. They always thinking about what's up next. So when you ask me how I celebrated, I celebrated for, you know, maybe one day, one night, and then you have all the issues that come with starting all over and trying to build your team for the next year, whether it's hiring staff, uh, helping players, you know, make decisions about where they're going to go and what they're going to do. So uh, you really can't stop and smell the roses much uh, or somebody's going to pass you up in a hurry. That's just the way it is, isn't it? And, you know, I, I've asked this question over the course of the years to Bob Knight, to Mike Krzyzewski, to Bill Belichick in different circumstances. What drives you at this stage of your life with everything you have accomplished to continue to put everything into it that you have to to stay at the level that you are? Well, I've answered that question. First of all, I hate to lose. Secondly, um, (laughs) I don't care your DNA helps you to have pride in your performance. So you, you want to be the best and do the best for the people in the organization. And, you know, when you're a leader of that organization, now that's a huge responsibility to get everyone else in the organization to have the right mindset to be able to continue on. I say it all the time, you know, success is not a continuum. It's momentary. Uh, and if you don't continue to do the things probably even better than you did them before, uh, someone else is, um, you know, going to try to do it better than you did it, and you're always going to get the other team's best game um, when you're in a, this position, when you win a championship. So, and I think everybody's got to have the right mindset, you know, to face those challenges. Greeny and the great Nick Saban is with me on ESPN Radio. So your old quarterback, Greg McElroy, told a great story when we were talking about the way the game has changed. And he said that when he was at Alabama playing for you, that your definition of a good practice was when the defense dominated and your definition of a bad practice, you would get all mad if the offense had a good day. That was his perspective. I can't vouch for it one way or the other. Clearly, the game has changed so much. How has your view of winning football adapted with the way the game has changed? Well, I think, you know, to some degree, um, you know, Greg's an offensive player and, you know, they're all outcome-oriented guys, Um uh, <laughs> And I'm a process-oriented guy, so you can tell him I said that. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, in the beginning, uh, I think football was played to play great defense, and you sort of tried to keep yourself from getting beat before you could win. And I think, theoretically, that's how the game was played. But in the last probably eight, ten, you know, eight, ten years, it's changed dramatically. Points are going up. The rules in college football favor the offense relative to RPOs, blocking downfield uh, on passes caught behind the line of scrimmage. All these things have really favored point production. So um, we, we have been, you know, like scored more points than anybody in the last couple, three years, and we probably haven't played as well on defense. So I think that you have to be able to score points nowadays uh, to be able to have success. You obviously want to play good defense as well, but um, I don't think anybody's winning these games in the playoffs in college football or big games in college football that can't score points. So we've sort of 
you know, change philosophically a little bit. Uh, it's not really defense first. It's really, you know, we gotta we we gotta win however we can win, and the way we've been able to win the last couple of years is outscore people. And and that really, to me, and I said this after the championship game, that's the sign of the really great leader because a lot of people will bemoan. And I know for a while there you were concerned about it, and I don't really love it either, to be honest with you. But many will sit and bemoan, well, this isn't the way we always used to do it, and this isn't as good. But at the end of the day, you had to change your philosophy or you were going to be left behind, right? No question. There's no question about it. We had to change the way we played offense. You know, we were more of a pro style, run the ball, play action pass, you know, be good on third down, try to have a good passing game for third down. Now it's wide open, you know, every play. But, you know, I have another thought for Greg McElroy, just so we can get this in. Yeah. You know, he, he also should tell you that we always sort of do what our players can do. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we have a quarterback that can throw it and do all that stuff, then we're a little more wide open. And um, so just, just, just a thought. <laughs> he did. I will make sure he hears that. He's probably listening right now. But he did say it to me. He used to say, Greeny, anytime the offense had a good day in practice – Nick was mad. He was furious. He never, that was a terrible day. And when the defense dominated, he was always happy with our effort. That was his, for one way or another, that was his perspective on it. Well, I, I, I can't, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion. <laughs> but um, I, I coach the defense more. So, you know, I guess my reaction to them not doing things correctly is always a little greater than it is, you know, for, than when the offense does it that way. But when the offense is not doing well, the offensive coordinator is not very happy either. <laughs> but I've kind of changed, you know, that through the years. Uh, I love it when we make big plays on offense. I love it when we make them in practice. But, you know, we also got a coach that we don't give them up to. So um, I, I probably create a little more balance in how I look at things because the game has changed. And Nick, I have to let you go. But one last thing. Please tell me that, that, that you do have some spectacular golf trip planned for this whatever time you do get to smell the roses that there is some spectacular golf in your relatively immediate future uh i think right before we start off season program i'm gonna give everybody a few days off and i'm gonna go to florida and play some golf you you, you caught me on that one okay fair enough that was my, my favorite story of you of all time was the day you had your hip replaced you did it in the afternoon because you needed to get one more round of golf in in the morning uh, nick congratulations well, and i can tell you this much i can yeah. tell you those guys in florida they're down there waiting on you you know because when you come down there with white legs they, they want you to get your money out so they're all lined up down there i can tell you that much okay well listen that is a date if we can make it work i i, I can't tell you how much i appreciate this time as always congratulations again be well and we'll check in down the road thank you nick Okay, thank you, Green. That's Have Nick Saban, head Bye. coach of Alabama. Just phenomenal. And, and, and I, I hate rushing through that, but we have different constraints that we have to get to. I want to react to a bunch of the things he just said. I find him such an incredibly interesting person. A Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. We'll react to that. Dan Orlovsky will join me a whole lot more coming up next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, 
We know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We come to you live every single day from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. Dan Orlovsky will join me in exactly 30 seconds. 30 seconds. From right now, we'll talk football with Danny. We'll spend those 30 seconds on this straight talk. Look, we all drop our phones. It happens. You fumble it or crack it or splash it. Well, Straight Talk Wireless now offers this new Platinum Unlimited plan that includes phone protection. Just 65 bucks a month. You get unlimited talk and text and data, just 20 gigs of hotspot and 100 gigs of cloud storage and more, all on the best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See Mobile Protect terms and conditions at Asurion.com slash straight talk limitations and exclusions apply. All right, Dan Orlovsky is with me here. And, and Dan, I'm, I'm sure you probably did not get a chance to hear it, but I just had Nick Saban on for the last, I don't know, I had him on for about nine minutes and he's such a fascinating person to me. And, you know, you cover both the pro game and the college game for us. And when I asked him about what it is that drives him to continue putting, he said he took one day to celebrate the championship before he had to get right back to work. And I asked him at this stage of his life, with everything he's accomplished, what it is that drives him to continue to put absolutely everything into this. The first words out of his mouth were, well, I hate to lose. And it is just fascinating to me a person like that, that at this stage of his life still has that kind of dedication and discipline to put everything into it that he does. Coach Saban's remarkable, Greeny. You know, I remember calling their game this year somewhere near the end of the season. And obviously this season had so much going on with it with, I mean, it really attached to college sports and college football in general because of the daily testing and the rigors in that, hey, one week we got a game, one week we don't and whatnot. And I remember... This is probably 15 weeks into the college football season. And so I'm interviewing or spending time with all these coaches sometime during the week leading up. And I just feel these coaches just, you can feel it in their voices, the wear and tear and the almost like this, this isn't fun. I'm so exhausted. My players are so exhausted. And then I got to Nick Saban and it was like, you didn't feel any of that. It was very focused on the mission it was very, this is what we're doing right now. I asked him a question about Devontae Smith. I said, hey, coach, like, why has Devontae Smith really burst onto the scene this year? They're obviously Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver. And he looked at me like I was an absolute idiot. Green, he's like, what do you mean? I go, what, what did he do? And he's like, he just got the opportunity to play. Mm. We had other guys here that were really good, and they went in the first round to the NFL last year. And Devontae's just been getting ready because he's obsessed with habit. And in that moment, I was like, oh, that's that's the key thing for Alabama, and that's the key thing for Nick Saban. He's obsessed with habits. He doesn't need motivation. It's his habits. Today, I got to get up. I got to figure out a way to get better for myself, for our football team, for recruiting. For it's just remarkable how he has been become obsessed with habits. 
I'm with you. And by the way, just because you mentioned him, and I'm curious, Mel Kuyper in his first mock draft has the Jets taking Devontae Smith at number two. Um, that is the, the, the where the draft really starts. We all know what's going to happen at number one. If they do that, what would you think of it? Because I had some people on the on the TV show this week who were very uh, – Jeff Saturday in particular lost his mind at the idea of taking a receiver that high. What will you say about it if that's what happens? Yeah, I'm with Saturday. I don't think that happens. I think go back to last year, folks, if Jets fans, go back to last year and those big-time receivers are on the board and he takes Mekhi Becton. Hammer. You know, I think Joe Douglas is either going to trade out of that pick or take Penny Sewell and go and look at Cleveland and go, Cleveland two years ago offensively was terrible. Then they got um, uh, Wirfs, no, excuse me, uh, Wills at left tackle, Conklin at right tackle, good. We'll have Mekhi Becton at left tackle, Penny Sewell at right tackle will be good. And so I think he'll go offensive lineman or trade the pick. If he does go receiver, I think it would be Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is the next Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, he's he's the other uh, kid who from LSU. He was the number one receiver at LSU two years ago when Justin Jefferson was the number two receiver, and then Chase sat out this year. So the world has largely forgotten him, but the people who make these decisions in football do not. We're breaking moves here with Dan Orlowski. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports. And quickly while I have you, because I know you'll start doing a ton of work on this as we go. There's two quarterbacks I'm fascinated with. Because what I think is ultimately going to happen for the sake of this discussion at number two in the draft is the Jets are either going to take a quarterback or they're going to trade the pick to someone else who's going to take a quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I think that quarterback is going to be Zach Wilson. Now, we've all seen Justin Fields play eight trillion times because he plays for Ohio State and, and, and they're always on TV and they're in the championship. Um, most people have not seen Zach Wilson, but I'm hearing unbelievable things. People comparing him to Patrick Mahomes and stuff. Like what, what work have you started doing on him? I haven't dove in just yet, uh, really deep greeny to, to study his tape, but I can say this from some of the brief stuff I have seen, you're going to hear these two names get thrown around a ton over the next, what are we three months away from the draft? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's got a lot of Aaron Rodgers types of plays. Like, we all know, I want everyone to envision, you know those throws that are, are vintage Aaron Rodgers when both feet are off the ground and his back foot is like behind his body and he flings it sidearm and you're like, how does he do that? How, how are both feet off the ground and the ball goes 30 yards somewhere and it's right on the money? Like he's got that kind of unique footwork talent yet whip of an arm to make those throws and then definitely the Patrick Mahomes stuff where we see the – you know, the, the body sideways kind of sidearm throws or flicks of the wrist or, you know, kind of the, 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 the body's running full speed to the left and, you know, being able to strong enough to throw a ball across the middle. And so he's got some of that talent, that jaw-dropping talent that is going to make teams salivate because they're going to go, okay, that looks like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and, and Kyler Murray. Like, that's what it looks like right now. And Aaron, you know, and so I think the big question is going to be, um, can you get him to be as consistent in the little things as a Patrick Mahomes is, as a Aaron Rodgers is? Because if you believe that you can, then, yeah, you got a really special talent going to you at quarterback. That sounds very good to me. So this is one that we will keep a close ear on with you, Orlovsky, as we go forward. Dan Orlovsky, every weekday, 4 o'clock Eastern time on NFL Live with Laura and Marcus and Mina and the whole crew. Um, let me ask you about your buddy, Matt Stafford. Uh, you played with him in Detroit for several years. I know how close of friends the two of you are. Um, and now it's, it's clear he's going to be traded out of there. What, in your mind, is the perfect 
place for him to go? The perfect place is San Francisco. I mean, if you're looking at a an offensive coordinator, play caller, head coach, and Kyle Shanahan, he's got three top five offenses in his past. All three of those offenses are with different quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, RG3, Matt Ryan. I will absolutely make the definitive statement that Matthew Stafford would be the most talented quarterback out of that group that he's ever had. Two years ago in 2019, halfway through the season before injury, Matthew Stafford was one of the top five MVPs Mm -hmm. in the NFL. I mean, he was absolutely lighting the league up. And so not overly expensive. He'd go to a system that is remarkably a good fit for his skill set. Obviously, Kittle, two really good young receivers. We know the run game is there. That defense is going to get healthy. San Francisco is a home run fit for him. Indy is a fantastic fit as well. And I said this on the show, Greeny, Monday morning. Listen, if you're having conversations as an organization about Deshaun Watson, can we upgrade our quarterback spot with Deshaun Watson? And you go, yes, uh, you know what's too rich for us. You should absolutely just easily transition and go, okay, if we wanted Deshaun and we can't get Deshaun, then what's it going to cost for us to get Matthew Stafford? Because, goodness, there's 15 teams that can upgrade their quarterback spot with Matthew. Totally agree. And, and people, I think, perceive him to be a lot older than he is. He'll be 33 in like two weeks. So he's a lot younger than I think. He just feels like he's been around forever. Um, but he has time for a full second act somewhere. So I'll be interested to see. One more for you, Dan. We'll talk about the Super Bowl next week. Um, what do you make of this whole Aaron Rodgers thing? And, and, and where do you think it's going? Yeah, I mean, the same thing I said Monday. He ain't going anywhere. He's not like he's very aware of how good of a situation he has in Green Bay, how good of a team he has. There's not many teams he can go to that he's going to upgrade. The Packers aren't stupid. You know, they understand that they're, they're, they're in a window right now. They can go win. I think Aaron's just going like this right now. Like, okay, last year during the draft in the offseason, you chose the future, Green Bay, okay? And I still got us to 13-3, and we're really, really good. I'm tired of not being good enough. Okay, so this offseason, I'm just putting you guys on very thin ice. This offseason, you're choosing the now, all right? Like, I, I, I want new contracts. I want more money, absolutely. I want to make sure that you understand that I want Corey Lindsley, our center, I want him back. And Aaron Jones, I want him back. And Robert Tunyon, I want him back. And Alan Lazard, I want him back. Like, you guys didn't give me what I wanted last year. You're going to give me what I want this year. And then, hey, in the draft, just because last year in the draft you chose for the future, what I want you guys to do is take a future draft pick and use it now. I want you guys to go get a player that's going to impact Mm -hmm. me and our football team now. Not for next year, not for 2022, for now. And I think he's just... I think he's putting. Um, I think he's putting his organization a little bit on their heels and um, using the media in a very intelligent way. That's smart. I think that sounds right. I think assuming he doesn't have his heart set on getting out of there, and I agree with you, there's no obvious reason why he would. Um, then I think that makes a lot of sense. Let's see how it plays out. It, it's he. Uh, Domovsky told us today on TV that he's going to stay there this week and meet with the general manager and meet with the president, which is Gutenkust and Murphy, and then maybe by the end of the week we'll start to get some smoke signals of which direction it's going to go. All right, Danny, 4 o'clock Eastern today, NFL Live. We'll be watching. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Greeny. Dan Olavsky with great insight. He is very close to Stafford. Um, and, um, you know, he, we've talked about that many times. And he, he really wants to see Stafford get a chance to win, and I think he will. I think Stafford to San Francisco, Stafford to Indianapolis, Stafford – the interesting one to watch is New England. That feels like a very Bill move to me. And that would, that would not surprise me at all. I don't know exactly what the cost is, but it's going to be a lot less expensive in terms of draft 
picks and stuff than it's going to be to get Deshaun Watson. So let's see where it goes. All right. Um, we are jam-packed here today as we continue. Time now for the big fella Bubba. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right. I'll say it. Who you got? All right, for Bubba, life is a binary proposition. He will shoot me over a couple of um, options here, and I will have to choose who I've got. Good morning again, Bubba. Yeah, hello. We're back. All right, give me a <laughs> give me your sponsorship there, Bubba. Sure. Who you got? Brought to you by Granger. Are you ready? I am indeed ready. Let's go. All right, we'll start. Houston Texans still need a coach, but six teams have hired one. So, which team do you think will be hiring again first? We got the Jets, Eagles, Lions. Jaguars, Falcons, or Chargers? Who you got? Okay, it's a trick question. Is because, it though? Because the one that I think will have the least success will be the Lions, based upon historical precedent and how underwhelmed I was by Matt Campbell's first um, Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, excuse me. Who am I thinking of? Who's Matt Campbell? Oh, he's the coach Iowa of Iowa State. State. Excuse me, Dan Campbell. They probably wish they hired Matt Campbell. But the <laughs> but Bubba. How long do we think Urban is going to he's a he's not a long term answer to anything like I could see Urban getting that team deep in the playoffs, maybe even like on a Super Bowl esque kind of run. I'm thinking of Bill Parcells tenure with the Jets. He came to the Jets. He turned them around. He took over a team that was the worst in the NFL. He had them nine and seven his first year. He had them in the AFC championship his second year. Then they had the injury plagued year with Testaverde and Bill just walked away. So that's the only hesitation I have is how long do I think Urban has in him for this? I will still go with my initial gut. I will say of those teams, I've got the Lions to be the the first one to be back in the pool looking for a new head coach. All right, to baseball, as we touched on earlier, no one elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday. Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens received the highest votes, and all three have one more shot next year. So who's getting in next year? Any of those three, who you got? Yes, I believe Schilling will get in. Um, I believe that Bonds and Clemens will not. I think there is just a group of voters, a a group that is obviously too large to overcome, that are just not going to put the steroid guys in. And as I said earlier, their last year on the ballot is A-Rod's first year on the ballot. Let's see what winds up happening with him. They all clearly deserve to be in. Um, Schilling, who said he doesn't want any part of going in next year, I believe has the best chance of those three to get voted in. And as I said earlier, Harry Carson, once upon a time, said on Mike and Mike that he was so frustrated with the setup, with, the, with, with being left out every year that if they voted him in, he didn't even want to accept it. And then he got voted in, and it was one of the greatest moments of his life. So that's my gut on what would happen with Schilling if he does get in next year. And of those three, I think he has by far the best chance. Two you got with Bubba. What's next? Yeah, and we just talked about it with Danny Orlovsky. Matt Stafford and the Lions will be parting ways this offseason. I imagine a few teams will be interested, so... Who you got as the best fit for Matt Stafford in 20? I'm going to say I'm going to say Colts. Uh, I, I I would go Indy. I, I totally get it on San Francisco. Obviously, look, you can't go wrong with either of those coaches. Every NFL quarterback wants to play for Kyle Shanahan or Frank Reich. I'll go Indy. I, I like the idea for him of play, continuing to play in a dome. Like, there's just so many things to like about that situation. You put Matt Stafford at quarterback in Indianapolis, and I would say they become. Right there, in my view, neck and neck with anybody to be knocking on Kansas City's door. Kansas City is the favorite to win the Super Bowl every year for the foreseeable future. 
They're number one. As long as Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback, they're number one in the conference. But then you start thinking about the other teams that you see in that discussion. Baltimore with Lamar. Let's see what they wind up doing there. Uh, let's see what how Pittsburgh kind of tries to retool. Let's see if Cleveland takes a step forward. There are a, a Buffalo, obviously, with the experience they got with Josh Allen this year. You put Matt Stafford on the Colts, and I would put them ahead of any of those teams next year. I would slot them in as my second favorite in the AFC, behind Kansas City. So that, to me, is the pick for Matt Stafford. Greeny and Bubba with who you got. What's next? Yeah, Rams GM Les Sneed says Jared Goff is, quote, a Ram at this moment, and it's way too early to speculate the future. That's a beautiful mystery, end quote. First of all, enough with the beautiful mystery stuff. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, geez, enough. Goff is under contract for four more years, but will be under center. But will he be under center? For Los Angeles next year, or will it be someone else? Who you got? Yeah, can, can I respond to Les Need by saying this? I'm sorry. What? What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? Do you realize you are locked to Jared Goff? Locked. If they were to cut him right now, they would have sixty-one million dollars in dead money next year, and no one is trading for the contract. His $25 million next year are all guaranteed, and he has like something like $15 million guaranteed the following year. So Jared Goff is the quarterback of the Rams next year, no matter what. So the, the extraordinary enthusiasm with which he is being dissed by his coach and his general manager, while I understand their frustration, doesn't make any sense to me. <clears throat> He's not just a Ram right now, Les. He's a Ram next year. There's nothing anyone can do about that. So I find this a very odd way to be handling it. Bubby, we got time for one more. You got one more? Yeah, I got one more, and it might be the most difficult one. 50 years ago today, David Bowie arrived in the U.S. for the first time. Crazy. Mm. So what's your favorite David Bowie song? Who you got? Oh, a favorite song? Favorite song. I saw Bowie Bowie in concert twice. Nice. Once at the old Giant Stadium. And then once in Chicago, what is that that huge that huge concert venue outside of Chicago in Orland Park? The name of that place just skipped out of my head. Whatever it was, he was a brilliant performer. Brilliant. I love David Bowie. So my favorite song. Well, if if I were when you play that game, Bobby, ever play the game where if you were like trapped on a desert island for the rest of your life, what are the five albums you would take with you? Sure. One of the albums for me would unquestionably be Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust is one of the five great rock and roll albums of all time. So I'd pick, I don't even know how to choose one song There's from There's a that. lot of options. Suffragette City or Lady Stardust or uh, Soul Man or, or the song Ziggy Stardust or, or, um, or any, something from that. Suffragette City, any of these songs from that album. But that album is one of the greatest albums in the history of rock and roll music. So that, for my official answer, I'll, I'll give you the song, Ziggy Stardust, because it is it is the central theme, I guess, of the album, Ziggy Stardust. Give me the sponsorship. Who You Got, brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is always there to help. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Well done. Outstanding today, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. See you tomorrow, ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI 
to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.